save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning, and welcome to Our Wild World. Today, my guests are filmmaker Phyllis Stewart and Elephant Action League founder and director Andrea Crosta. We're introducing a groundbreaking and compelling new documentary wildlife film, Wild Days. That's W-I-L-D-D-A-Z-E. Wild Days director and producer Phyllis Stewart shares the unvarnished truth about the battle between our paradoxical craving to control nature and our ultimate need to save the wild, leading audiences through Africa's complex and murky complicity and corruption to understand how human activity takes a huge toll on the wild. The film, anchored by stunning visuals and emotional interviews, is a feature-length film and uses art, media, and advocacy to galvanize and preserve our wildlands. Joining us as well as Andrea Crosta, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Elephant Action League. Andrea has over 30 years of experience in conservation projects around the world and unparalleled professional career of more than 17 years as an international consultant to companies and governmental agencies on high-end security technologies and services, also investigations into risk management. He now applies his unique knowledge to conservation and wildlife protection and is the creator and project manager of Wild Leaks. So first I'd like to welcome Phyllis and Andrea. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. This is such an honor and such a pleasure. Um, the film absolutely amazed me. It's so beautiful. And I, I watched it once, mostly just as a viewer, not putting my conservation critical mind to it. And the film grabbed me right away. So, Phyllis, I commend you on doing the film. And, Andrea, you have been such a, a part of my work in understanding this new conservation uh, model that we have to shift where we've been and that conservation is about people but it's not necessarily about the poacher it's about us regular people and international and organized crime so Phyllis why don't we start with you giving just a brief background about yourself that made that compelled you to make wild days and then andrea uh will catch that up with you as well and we've got a lot of ground to cover so why don't we jump right in well i think media is a hugely uh, effective tool to reach millions of people so my goal was to galvanize as many people as i could to help save the wild it's quite dire and I was kind of embarrassed. I knew so little about what was going on. I knew nothing about Africa. I knew nothing about elephants. I, I last had made a film about a fashion photographer, but I, I realized that being um, a media entertainment industry professional, that you can reach millions and millions and millions of people and affect change. 
So I spent almost four years making this film and traveling to nine countries and interviewing everyone from Jane Goodall on down. I, 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 I don't know why they all talked to me, but some of the most incredible die-hard conservationists in the world granted me an interview, essentially taught me what what was going on. And then in about a year and change, we edited it together and it just played at a film festival called the Mill Valley Film Festival. And it's, uh, it's getting, it's getting, um, you know, great response and I, I want it to be seen far and wide. That's great. You know, um, uh, gosh, you've already got me thinking of questions. Andrea, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself and then we're going to jump in because my brain's already firing off. Okay. So, uh, as you said, I had—I mean, I have a thorough, uh, you know, professional experience in conservation and uh, and uh, security, technology, intelligence. So, um, about five years ago, I I saw a problem in the way we were tackling uh, environmental crime, wildlife crime globally, and I decided to, you know, to leave my former job and and merge those two parallel careers into one the Elephant Action League, to create. Uh, uh, if you want a, a sort of a spy agency for the planet, so people, uh, professional uh, intelligence officers or law enforcement officers united with, you know, with a new war to fight, the fight for the planet, but in a new way because uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of issues uh, related to wildlife crime are actually now, uh, you know, um, it's not about, you know, poor people and poachers and then the Chinese buying is much more complex than that. The supply chain, uh, it's complicated. There are really dangerous people involved. Uh, and, and so the, the old conservation model uh, is not working anymore, at least on those issues. You need the crime professionals uh, to tackle these issues. And this is what I agree with you 100%. And this is the conversation that is going on a lot today that I don't think many people are aware of when you look at social media and clickivism, oh how sad, oh how tragic, and kill the poachers, kill the killers. And I don't think that is the best way to go about bringing everybody to the table and have a conversation to educate what is really going on. So Phyllis, during your uh, introduction there, uh, you lit up a question in my mind or a point. Not being a wildlife filmmaker, not having been involved in conservation like Andrea has or I have for so many decades, I think it gave you a freshness to look at the problem outside the box. So many of us in, in NGOs in wildlife conservation have been doing this for so long or they're so specifically focused on a particular species or aspect that they're not able to look outside and see this as a whole. So through my work, I've been constantly looking sort of at the bigger picture and seeing how the world has shifted to exactly what Andrea was talking about. Wildlife, illegal wildlife trade is not about conservationists it is about law enforcement and that is what's critically needs to change and i don't i i I, andrea were you at the london conference yes i was okay maybe we can talk about that a little bit but a lot of these conferences 
highlight the NGOs and we go down, for lack of a better word, some rabbit holes and, you know, uh, backslapping and congratulations versus bringing in the law enforcement, Interpol, International Crime Task Force. So let's go from there and um, let's, let's begin talking about how we meld these together and Phyllis, how you brought it together in the film. Well, one of the things I didn't understand was that uh, our our old president, Theodore Roosevelt, created this model that's been mapped on to Africa, which is you take a wild area full of wild animals. And he, by the way, was a trophy hunter. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, let's fence it off and let's, and let's kick out all the humans off this part of the land. And then we'll just keep it for ourselves and visitors and they'll pay money and they'll you know, either hunt or they'll um, take photos. But that model doesn't work in Africa because unless the communities who've been kicked off their land, who've lived there for millennia, who often can manage the land much more effectively than outsiders, unless they have a buy-in, the poaching will continue and you just have to, you know, militarize Africa. And that just creates problems everywhere. So, the model seems to be shifting right now. People understand, yes, you have to protect the land. Yes, you have to protect the wild animals, but only by dramatically increasing the capacity of the communities, the indigenous peoples, and and the nations to conserve their land and water and wildlife can we ever hope to safeguard the natural world. And we, we all depend on this. So we have to have the locals buy in. It's not just, <clears throat> you know, punishing people. It's, it's really engaging people and seeing what their needs are, because this is a human being problem. It's not a wildlife problem. Excellent point, and this is what I've said, and this is the motto or the basic understanding and premise of Wild Eyes Foundation and this program, Our Wild World, that conservation is about people. So this leads us into, and Andrea, maybe you can talk about this a little bit, that conservation has sort of been hijacked. Um, over the it's sort of a neo-colonialism of another kind that it's always been as Phyllis said the western model moving on to Africa and that started after the wars and you know the white people were granted as the wardens of these areas and um, so many of them who grew up in Africa understand that it is a community issue, that without, as Phyllis said, the buy-in of the local communities, we're not going to get any further. So how did you bring your vision, Andrea, into this and um, then become a part of this film? Yeah, exactly. So... Um it, it is a local issue, I agree, but, you know, we are also dealing with uh, a continent uh, of, uh, uh, you know, more than a billion people, so, uh, and, and with uh, with poverty and incredible levels of exploitation, so, in other words, it's a very easy place for criminals, all kind of criminals and terrorists, as you all know very well. And what happened is that uh, while... Uh, you know the big NGOs and this and this old model of conservation was doing what it you know was doing something to you know to protect uh, the environment. Those groups uh, of you know militia, terrorists, uh, terrorist um, uh, businessmen, all kind of uh, uh, traffickers, understood that it was actually very very profitable to you know to to traffic 
nature, basically traffic animals, and with very zero risk. So, uh, and this is when the issue, you know, every time we are talking about wildlife crime or environmental crime, I always invite people to forget about the first word, environmental or wildlife. It's crime with capital C, and has to be, uh, has to be approached as a crime. Uh, managed by very, very dangerous people. Um, and that was the mistake of the past probably decades uh, with these large NGOs uh, coming up, coming to Africa with millions of dollars, but with the, with the model that didn't evolve over time. Uh, I, I come from, from the high tech and I always joke that in my, the, the field of conservation is the least innovative field I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, this, exactly the same things and the same ideas and the same words for the past 40 years. And that what and that is what and, it, and this is part of the problem, uh, because nobody is really willing to have more teeth and to take more risk to approach uh, environmental crime as a crime with capital C. Uh, I so I so agree with that. And I've often said on this program that the conservation model isn't changing. We did all this in the 60s. We understood we needed to protect habitat. Then we went to the next level, protect species, and then it went even more specifically and separated particular species. And then it kind of got to be to iconic species and it was no longer discussing the web of interconnectedness of how it works. And then crime, the wildlife crime, the environmental crime, was able to sneak through these cracks because it kept calling it, as you said, environmental or wildlife. So that pushed it over onto a side where it didn't get much attention. So now we know the past 40 years, we kind of dropped the ball. So at at COP17, uh, there was a, alongside a parallel convention by the International Crime Wildlife Crime Task Force. So um, I don't know if you were present at that or if you were present at CITES COP17. I had a crew there. But it still got stuck in, you know, prefacing crime with this particular, um, the, these qualifiers, wildlife and environment. So we've got just a couple minutes left here. Um, how do we separate this out and highlight it as crime and get these international task forces and the countries to take it on as crime? Well, can I just jump in for a real quick little moment here? Sure. I interviewed um, Professor Tom Snitch a few years ago for this movie, and he was creating, he's a mathematician essentially, and he's creating models to track poachers, and he specifically knew when the highlighting times were, so you didn't have to fly drones the entire day, he knew exactly the times of days, and then fly these drones and you catch the guys, and they catch the bad guys, and he was effective, however... Africa, I mean, uh, Kenya didn't permit these drone per projects to fly. So it's about, for me, and Andrea, you might have a different answer, but it's political will, the lack of the countries willing to really stop the poachers because so often, like in Tanzania and Kenya, the guys at the top of the food chain, the presidents, the people, the interior ministers are culpable. They're involved in the crime. And you you brought up a, you both have brought up an excellent point, the connection 
of economics to resource management and then, of course, corruption. So, uh, Andrea, do you have uh, something to add to that? And then we'll take a quick break and come back to this because these are really critical points to understand. Yes, you know, I, I agree with Phyllis. I, of course, corruption is a big uh, is a, is more than a big problem. is a, a systemic disease. is now in the DNA of pretty much everyone there, and everyone can be bought. But it, it down at the end of the day, it it, it comes down to political will. Without political will, no matter how millions of dollars you put, no matter how many NGOs you have on the ground, without political will, you cannot do much. And, uh, but you, you, in order to have political will, very often, you have to have the right tools to hold those governments accountable. You, know, to, you have to be able to face them with evidence of stuff going on under their nose. You know, rumors or, or even uh, discussion on ethics and values are, are not enough. You have to bring evidence of criminal activities, and 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 that's and maybe we can later on discuss the hence the need of professional intelligence, which at the moment is absolutely absent in environmental crime. Yeah, and let's talk about what Tanzania did once the evidence was shown to them. Okay, we need to step away for a short break right now, but these are the critical points that I think we're going to be discussing for the rest of the program because. This, the whole background of wildlife conservation has shifted, and this is the point and the crux of our program. So listeners, stick with us, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back. This is Our Wild World. I'm Ellie Weiss, and my guests are Phyllis Stewart, uh, filmmaker and uh made the film Wild Days and Andrea Crosta, uh, Elephant Action League and founder of Wild Leaks. So we're talking about the film today, a groundbreaking new film that addresses the wildlife issues and threats we are seeing today in a whole new way. And that was what we discussed in our first section, a bit of background. So we left off with three key points that... Illegal trafficking in wildlife is not an environmental issue. It's not an NGO issue. It's not a ranger's issue per se. It is a crime issue, therefore requiring a whole shift of how we address it using law enforcement, um, the technologies, and the infrastructure we have globally as a crime task force, and corruption and political will. So those last two are all tied, they're all tied very closely together because if you look at the three, it's, it's like a triangle that keeps conservation model of today from shifting and moving forward to address the dire consequences we're facing. Uh, Phyllis, you want to jump in on something? Well, there was a couple of things that, that came to mind when, when we talk about the approach uh, in my film, I, I made an entire first act about crime and corruption. There are things that we can address as well. The natural habitats of animals um, and plants are being destroyed for land development, for logging, farming, poaching and hunting for fur or rhino horn or tusk, jewelry, medicine, meat. These are all contributing to the wildlife extinction. But when I filmed this, um, we had just found out about the Salu in Tanzania being decimated because Sam Wasser made um, an amazing discovery about how to find and track DNA from elephant tusks that he found over in China in the shops. And when they confronted the Tanzanian government, who denied it completely that all the uh, elephants were not theirs, they started arresting journalists. So strangely enough, I was a little nervous when I went back to Africa because they think of, you know, people like me, documentary filmmakers, as journalists. So I had to shoot some of my film on an Apple iPhone, which I tricked out with additional lenses and additional sound equipment. But thank God for Apple who said, yes, we want you to shoot part of your film on an iPhone. And, you know, technically it stands up beautifully next to a beautiful image, but... It was all for me. I felt like like Andrea a little bit. Like we're now having to be surreptitious and you know very creative. I'm I'm not a filmmaker. I I went in as a teacher, so um, it, it's really a tricky place, Africa. And and these these billboards that people are putting up in China are nice and they're beautiful spots, and they get these big celebrities to participate. But China is is not letting them actually. Tell the real truth. That I mean, that's redundant. So, so you're talking about organiza- organizations that are working on the demand side, such as Wild Aid and IFA. 
Well, I love both of those organizations, and I know I'm not. I'm not dissing. I'm not dissing them, but that's the campaign from a wildlife perspective that they're focusing on. Yeah, and I put and I put Ifo in my film, and 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 like Jane Goodall says in the movie, she didn't know that people thought that elephant tusks fell out and regrew. That you know that elephants were dying because elephant tusks were being used and as 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 trinkets and chopsticks and what have you. But um, I don't know what's true anymore because we just recently heard that they're, you know, releasing a or um, lifting a ban on on rhino horn and tiger bone in right, China. Right. And so, you see, I just I just get so frustrated, and there's probably a little edge to my voice because you 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 think China's get getting you know getting hip to the fact that the world wants wildlife and they want them to keep their hands off China, and yet they just lie to your face. Well, it's this is this is the crux. People are not quite understanding this division between wildlife conservation and illegal trafficking crime. So, Andrea, why don't you jump in here? Because the point here is we're trying to get our listeners to take this leap and close the knowledge gap that Phyllis was just talking about. And I have a lot of listeners in Asian countries. So the the concept that, oh, we didn't know, doesn't hold water anymore. There's, yeah. I don't think over the past decade, at least, if not the past two decades, people can say, oh, I didn't know. There's so much out there, but yet we still hear somebody say, I wasn't aware of that. So, Andrea, jump in here, please. Yes, there is this issue of not knowing by, you know, by people in general, uh, it, which is strange. I agree with you. You know, we know everything about everything in the end. And yet we are not aware of, but it's, here it goes, it goes back to, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm being a little bit over critical about on, on, the, on the large NGOs, but you know, those large NGOs control not only the money, but also the narrative. And so you, we basically read the same story over and over, and that also has to change. Uh, but going beyond that, uh, going, getting a little bit more, uh, you know, concrete and operational, uh, th- yes, there is a huge knowledge gap also on how to tackle those international syndicates or, or network of traffickers who are basically uh, exploiting the planet. Uh, so there is a huge knowledge gap, and that's why you need intelligence. Uh, if you, I always make this comparison, look at other global threats. Terrorism, uh, weapons of mass destruction, uh, organized crime, narco-trafficking. It, intelligence is at the very heart of our strategy to fight back. Environmental crime is the fourth largest criminal endeavor on the planet, up to $280 billion per year, including illegal fishing, illegal logging, and there is zero intelligence. No intelligence. It means that we don't know anything about it. We just see the tip of the icebergs. And the bad guys are always, always ahead of law enforcement. And this has to change. This model, which at the moment is completely reactive, has to become proactive. And you become proactive with intelligence, you know, by you know, acting as a sort of spy agency uh, in, in a transnational way, of course. The problem is that no government wants to do that, of course. They don't like... Uh, intelligence agencies around and they want to for them is not a big deal it's not a priority very often environmental crime sometimes they are involved themselves so they are they are not doing it 
And NGOs also don't want to do it because it's difficult, it's scary, it's not easy to fundraise. So easier to go with billboards or, uh, uh, you know, helping elephant orphans, for example, which is important, but you don't win the war by help, by helping elephant orphans. We are in the business of producing less orphans, right? Uh, so it's a significant shift that still has to happen. So you bring up a really important point. So conservation is sticking with an old model, and this is no um, negative comment on the NGOs. They are needed in some ways, but we do need as you, as you said, a whole shift to understanding this new shape that is taking over the planet, this destructive force that is selling out everything as a commodity. And this has a lot to do with economic growth and what Phyllis said earlier in African nations and those areas that have wildlife taking on gross domestic product economic models of capitalism and consumption and commodifying down into the unit price per unit of everything on earth and this is what I think a lot of Wild Days the film seeks to address along with the point that we're looking at crime now so we've got nations and governments that are corrupt. As you said, it's uh, Andrea, wildlife tra- trafficking has uh, consistently over the last few decades been a pretty low-risk uh, investment because there's very little law enforcement involved. So what we're trying to do here is shift that narrative. So Andrea, how are we going to do that? Uh, it, it's <clears throat> it's a multi-pronged approach, of course. Everyone everyone has his role, but uh, it, as I said, it, it it has to get to political will, and and the only way to get political will from certain countries is to try to leverage those countries somehow. And here, where you know our government, the government of the United States, but European Union, becomes very very important to bring those topics. Uh, to the table of maybe other tables, maybe economical discussions or aid or or commercial discussion, but this topic has to be uh, has to be on the table of, of, of during important international meetings. Otherwise, uh, countries in Africa or Southeast Asia, China, Latin America, they will never take it seriously. They will, they will think, okay, I just I just have a bunch of NGOs in front of me, and uh, I'll deal with them, and they are happy if they, I don't know, let, let's kill or jail a couple of poachers, so they're all happy. Let them put uh, their billboards on the Beijing, uh, I don't know, subway, so they, 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 are, they are okay, they, are, they think they are doing something, but we are, actually we are not doing much. The, you know, the situation is worse and worse every year. And that's and the reason why is is the the enablers and the drivers of the whole thing, very accomplished traffickers, for example, living in Southeast Asia, are very comfortable. They've been doing uh, this for decades. Nobody is really trying to touch them. They're placing orders of rhino horn, of ivory, of pangolin, of of illegal timber, and the all at, and the attention of the international community is still on the poachers and on the end consumers. So it's, a, it's, a, it's heaven for, for, wild, for wildlife criminals, basically. Well, I think that brings it down to this economic issue that these are businessmen. 
They're not animal advocates. They're not wildlife lovers. They're not conservation NGOs. They are strictly businessmen, and the, and the black market, the illegal market, as you said, is worth billions of dollars. So, Phyllis, in Wild Days, you have some amazing interviews with a wide variety of people that are speaking and and singing a different song. We've seen a lot of them. You mentioned Jane Goodall, and we have Andrea. And Andrea, what you say in the film is fabulous. Right off the bat, you bring in the point that we have to look at this a different way. So, Phyllis, with some of the celebrities and maybe not so well-known people in your film, how did you get them to be comfortable and discuss this. It sounds like they were just waiting to be asked these questions from the non-NGO, animal lover, animal rights, all this typical conversation point of view. How did you get them to look into a different box? When I turned the camera off, a very, very big NGO leader said, Phyllis, I'm going to be a dead conservationist. I can't answer that. I can't answer that. I can't answer that. Some people I had to ply with alcohol. Some people I charmed. There were a myriad number of ways that I got people to talk to me. I don't know. I've developed powers of persuasion because I'm nosy and curious. But one of the things I noticed is the former head of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife saw my film and he said, listen, I've got to tell these senators that there's hope. You've got to remain hopeful or I'm not going to get any funding to, to achieve my goals. So we walk, Andrea, me, anybody in the NGO world walks this fine line between being able to tell the truth and show them the facts versus, well, you know, people's immediate resignation response. So how do you get psychological with people? I learned that there's this three to one ratio where if you show them three things that are positive, you can slip in one negative. But that's the ratio. Anything beyond three good to one bad, people get resigned, withdraw, sullen, and and just frozen. So I had to learn how human beings' heads work. Like you have to give them the information in small doses and then show them a cute little baby elephant. Look, look, look at the baby elephant. Because human beings don't respond well to, to tragedy and emergency. I mean, we, we, we are, look at the world. I mean, how many people are saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and human beings are just not recycling, like one in three of us only recycle. They're not taking care of the planet. And, and then they, with the recent IPCC climate report, And the one article that says, yes, you now have permission to freak out. You know, this consensus has been going on for so long to suddenly have to speed up and fill this knowledge gap while we've been going along. Here's a baby elephant. um, Click to save this. Uh, And Andrea, you made an excellent point. We're in the business of not having orphans to not have orphans whatever the animal may be is to stop the killing so this this is a whole shift in mindset so um phyllis you just said a lot of the high profile personalities of ngos said if i tell the truth i'm a dead conservationist i think that goes in two ways a they think they'll lose their donors because of the dismal picture and B um, so many conservationists know what's going on you can't have been doing this for 30 40 50 years 
like a lot of the the big names to not know that it's shifted. So how do we break the fear cycle in these big NGOs or do we start with films like Wild Days or my organization or Elephant Action League and Wild Lakes to bring this conversation to the fore and provide a safety net for conservationists to tell the truth. Um, Mordecai Ogata wrote The Big Conservation Lie. He sort of set a, a framework to pinpoint how things have shifted. So it's it's gone a little you know, black and white, and it's not quite so black and white. But over the past few years, we do now have a baseline to bring in a film like Wild Days and to bring in the work that Andrea is doing. So, Andrea, um, how are we going to provide this safety net? You can both respond. Actually, you know, we've got to take a break. So we're going to open with that question at the next section. So, listeners, stick with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back, Our Wild World, with Phyllis Stewart and Andrea Crosta. So uh, we got into a lot of the information of what is happening and what needs to change on our last section. And we left off with this concept that conservationists, we know the truth, um, 
but we're scared to say it because, as Phyllis said, you know, if I say that, I'm a dead conservationist. So it, it on both sides, lose the donor base, lose the animal rights, animal activist, um, animal welfare, and lose lose their donor, and they'd have to shift their model. So, Andrea, you had an interesting idea. Um, in Italy, you have the mafia. Here, we all are aware of, you know, the drug lords and the drug cartels. And we, we have an idea through law enforcement and international policing of how to deal with these huge cartels. And they function on an aspect that could be applied to uh, environmental, wildlife, illegal trafficking of um, natural resources. Andrea, why don't you pick it up from there? Yeah, exactly. I come, I come from Italy. I also briefly served in the military police, Carabinieri, and uh, and I know the you know the you know the situation quite well. And uh, and and everyone knows mafia from Sicily is one of our four, five actually large criminal organizations that we have in Italy. And the only significant results that we had against the mafia in the past decades, thanks also to some courageous judges. Uh, where uh, we where you know we had these results only when we uh, launch uh, uh, um, witness protection programs. So you you don't you do not enter those organizations. You don't get certain information. You do not you cannot hope to dismantle this information or, or at least disrupt them without a witness protection program. Without offering someone who knows a lot protection. And in my career dealing with environmental crime. At least twice I met someone, uh, once in Tanzania and the, other, and the other time in Kenya. Both of them were, you know, up in the chain. They knew a lot. They were able, they were willing to say a lot, but in exchange for protection. And unfortunately, I had nothing to offer. And, but this is the way to go. This is the way to treat environmental crime as a, as a real crime and, and give uh, governments and law enforcement the right tools so no. this, this is sort of when we make these headlines that we see all over Facebook and social media and in the news that, oh, poacher's been arrested, this has been seized, or films like uh, Ivory Game and Battle for the Elephants, they gave away our, 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 our tools. Um, our strategy. Uh, sorry? Our strategy. Yeah. yeah, our strategy. So every time we would make a leap into infiltrating like putting the 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 bug inside the ivory horn ivory tusk i'm sorry and track it to give that away to the public is giving information to those who shouldn't have it so as you said andrea a witness protection program that would be the better way rather than highlighting all these individual arrests and seizures is keep it a little more on on the quiet and offer these people protection to turn informant, right? Correct. Yes, exactly. To 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 uh, you know, if you want to go, you know, a little bit up the chain, of course. If you're happy in keep jailing and killing small fishes, then you have. I mean, you can go on forever. Okay, <laughs> you have. Potential. Well, that's what we've been doing, right? We've been yeah. just going on forever for fifty years. Yeah. With very very little results, you know, anti poaching is very important. Don't get me wrong, it, but anti poaching, sir, the, the the aim of anti poaching is to keep the animal alive, not to address the problem. Okay, to address the problem, you have to get up, you know, 
up the chain and get the big guys. And the big guys, you don't get them if you, you know, just by, you know, looking around and arresting a few people. You have to have the right tools, including a witness protection program, in my opinion. Right, because, you know, the thing I always say is when I see, you know, hundreds of tons, thousands of tons or pangolin scales seized, when are we going to get to the point on the ground before the animals are killed? So most of, as you'd said, most of our responses are reactive. So Phyllis, why don't you jump in here with how to become more proactive? Well, it's so interesting. It, it seems to me it's all about the community. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm being naive, but if these people can be turned from poachers into conservations by incentivizing them with other work, say, other jobs, where there's no jobs out there, guys. There's no jobs. There's no work. There's nothing in the bush, right? right. So some people create, you know, factories. We're trying to create a, ch- a chocolate cacao growing farming community because it's been a, a very successful model. You give these guys work, they drop their guns. They don't want to go in the bush and risk their lives and kill an elephant. They like elephants, you know, on the whole. So I, I assert. So I think that there's ways that people can support lots of NGOs that are doing these kind of things that are em- empowering the locals. But when I interviewed Tony Fitzjohn, who's a longtime activist and conservationist in my film, he said, I, I can't believe that we've lost 70% of the wildlife in, 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 since the 1970s. So if we can't get the big fish, as Andrea calls us, if we can't get the middleman, if we can't get the judges, because they can catch these guys, but if we can't get the judges to actually extract them and put them in prison and get them out of, and put them out of business, how are we going to succeed? I don't know how you influence it, but it seems to me that it's, it's power in numbers. More and more and more and more people say something, push something forward. The needle moves, the needle moves. But you have to get involved. You can't just wring your hands and you can't just feel bad. That's my big, you know, problem is that people exchange their emotional response to information without taking the next step. Like, right. it's okay. I felt bad. So, yeah, I did my part. No, 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 no. You actually have to get involved. I mean, this is so serious. People don't even understand. Climate change is real. These animals keep the forest alive, and the forest keeps the, the planet cool. It's very simple. Keep the animals in the forest. Keep the animals if you want to stay alive. Well, part of the problem is we have been um, sticking our heads in the sand over climate change since the 60s. And with the recent IPCC report, This past month, there are a tremendous cascade of consequences of people talking about how dire the situation is. But we waited a long time. Humans um, take time to understand and change our habits. The world is moving so rapidly now. Thomas Friedman's book, In the World of Accelerations, How to Be an Optimist. What we have to understand is the landscape is shifting every six months to two years, technologically and um, landscape-wise. And climate shift is happening so rapidly now that we need to up our game and open our minds and it creates a bit of overwhelm to understand that we don't have this comfort zone of years oh 2020 25 2030 2050 these millennium or development goals we can't put it off anymore 
and that that's a hard one for humans to ramp up and accept that fast. So part of what your film is doing and what Wild Leaks, and Andrea, you could talk about that a bit more, is to scale this up globally, provide avenues on the ground with people in these different cultures that live with these species. It's, it's not a Western world. It's a very different cultural mindset. Living with lions and elephants is not the same as living with bears, mountain lions, and wolves. It's, and, and it's, it's not an urbanized, industrialized areas. There are certainly industries going on, habitat loss for a, a population, human population growth that is running amok. So, um, Andrea, why don't you jump in here and help us understand that in these places where we're trying to stem this flow in illegal trafficking and, and, and touch on what Phyllis said, how we provide these benefits and an economic benefit of some sort or some sort of trade-off to turn people around. What are you doing and how does Wild Leaks come into that? Yes, uh, like two, two, two separate, I mean, the, the, the incentives to the locals not to do it, uh, it's a very, very tough one, okay? There are millions and millions and millions of poor people with no jobs and, and, and we know already that we cannot give all of them Jobs. That's why there is a lot of criminality in general, not just wildlife crime. And you just need, a, you know, a few bad apples uh, in in an area, for example, to wipe out an entire population of rhinos. So it's it's a it's a very difficult one. That's why it is important to work on the entire supply chain. And there are various pressure points, and 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 cut their heads. Figure out, of course, uh, uh, by arresting them. Of the people who can then, uh, uh, you know, and then feel the, you know, the 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 effects back to back to the field. Wide leaks. Uh, we launched wide leaks uh, uh, around uh, five years ago, and it's basically and it and the idea was let's create a safe space online where people can send information on wildlife crime anonymously. Uh, when you know, there, for example, in those countries, very often you cannot go to the police with this kind of information. You risk your life. Uh, as, or, or as a minimum, nobody will do anything about it. So Wild Leaks has been up and running for five years. We received dozens and dozens of uh, really interesting submissions from around the world, including from Africa, including about Ivory. And this is just an example of, of how you can empower local people at least to share information, at least to say what they know in a safe way. Uh, that's the beginning. It's the beginning at least. So that's, that's sort of a opening step for this environmental witness protection program. So yeah. do you work closely with the International uh, Wildlife Crime Task Force and Interpol? Because, is, and, and I would say CITES, but CITES is, is responsible for setting quotas. They're not responsible for law enforcement. We no. do have these international treaties, organizations, agreements to deal with the law enforcement side. So yeah. at the same time in London that the um, convention was going on, uh, there was the Interpol convention, and I know they're very secretive, and I know you can't talk about or give away information. I'm not asking you to. But this is where the next connection is, right? Yeah. 
And in fact, we as an organization, we actually collaborate a lot with uh, local law enforcement around the world. Um, I cannot tell you exactly with whom, but we shared information, confidential information with U.S. authorities, African authorities, South American authorities, even Chinese authorities. Uh, when we, you know, at the end of our work, uh, wherever it is, uh, for example, right now, I can tell you that we are working a lot on the rhino horn supply chain from Southern Africa into Southeast Asia. We are working on uh, jaguar trafficking in, uh, in Latin America. So at the end of our work, we always produce uh, confidential intelligence briefs only for law enforcement. And we, and we they, they have been received very well because, uh, you know, it's uh, detailed information, uh, no strings attached, free of charge, ready to be used for their own investigation. And we did it many times. Last year, December 2017, thanks to our work, two of the most important rhino and ivory traffickers in Southeast Asia in Bangkok have been arrested by the Thai authorities. They are still in jail right now. And this is a clear example of how an NGO like ours can do its job, uh, you know, discreetly behind the scenes, and then at the end, help law enforcement to do their part. That's great. And, and I don't mean that lightly at all. This is, <laughs> it, it's, it's encouraging and it's uplifting for me to hear this at a time where everything is so overwhelming in this downward spiral. So Phyllis, you come at this from a different direction, Wild Days and Wild Safe, and you have an upcoming campaign. Why don't you tell us about that from you, your oh, side? I'd love to talk about that. Um, we've, got, we've got just a couple minutes but left. I really want to talk about freezing assets as a solution. Uh, Andrea, can you talk about how you freeze assets and if that works, if you follow the money of the criminals and take their money away? Yeah, taking the money away is, uh, is, is probably the most painful thing for them. It, uh, for example, seizing something is not a big deal that will send another shipment uh, the, the week after, exactly like narco-traffickers. So uh, you have to take the money away. Uh, it's not very easy to follow the money. Everyone is talking about follow, follow the money right now, but it's not that easy. Uh, I can, uh, there is no time here, but I can, uh, I can describe, uh, you know, piece by piece the entire value chain of rhino horn trafficking, for example, uh, from Africa to China. And, and, and there's a lot of cash involved. There's a lot of crypto payments. So it's not easy to follow the money. Uh, but certainly one of the most important uh, thing that you can use on those traffickers, on, on, on those top, you know, someone called them kingpin, is financial crime. And everywhere everywhere we go, everywhere we work, uh, when people get arrested, when we work with law enforcement, they are all focused on using environmental laws. And we are always say, hey, stop, think. There are many other laws that you can use on these people, including financial law. For example, for money laundering, they're more effective than environmental uh, laws. And uh, for example, our, la- our last work in Baja California on the trafficking of Totoaba and the possible extinction of the vaquita, the little dolphin, the little porpoise, mm-hmm. our Chinese targets are all into money laundering, human smuggling, and fake passports. So this is the laws to use. You have to be creative also in the way you tackle these people. Great. And so I just want to say about my screening series, if anybody wants to support it, get involved, get engaged, please go to my website, Wild Days, the movie. I spelled days, D-A-Z-E. And there's a list of impact campaigns that I put on there and I I welcome your support because I didn't make this movie for myself. I want you to all see it and share it and 
engage and turn my audience into activists. And I'll just mention here, Wild Eyes, uh, Wild Days is a grantee of Wild Eyes, so you can donate to Wild Eyes as well, specifically for Wild Days, but go ahead and donate. Check out Wild Leaks, check out Elephant Action League, and check out Wild Days, the movie, and Wild Days, the uh, Facebook site and website. So, and, and get involved. We've just spent almost an hour today, folks, understanding how we can shift our vision and our actions to really take a, a bite out of uh, wildlife crime, environmental crime, once we treat it as crime. Andrea, I would love to have another conversation with you about the financial aspect because that is another critical point in this chain. But unfortunately, today we're out of time, and I can't thank you enough for um, starting this conversation. Phyllis, the film is beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes, people, come and see this movie. Absolutely, and we will um, we'll post. This is about Africa. This is not about Africa. This is about you. It's all connected to us. Exactly. This is not. This is not um, a symptom oriented issue. This is a huge issue that we all have to become involved in. Andrea, I know you're a very busy man. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Anytime. And I'd love to talk with you again and we can, even both of you, because this is a big conversation. So we can talk about this some more and bring up some other aspects that it's just difficult to cover in one episode. So we will be talking with you some more. So meanwhile, folks, get out, turn your passion into action and do your research and we can tackle this. This is our wild world and go out and see what you can do. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 